Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. Did y'all know that much like we have a gut microbiome, we also have a skin microbiome, which means we have tons of beneficial bacteria on our skin that protect us from pathogens. And did you also know that when you use harsh soaps and chemicals on your body, it can it can kill those bacteria and it can also create other imbalances, pH imbalances, et cetera, within the skin microbiome. So when I learned this information a couple of years ago, I stumbled upon Alivia skincare, and we have been using it exclusively ever since. So Alivia has body cleanser, so it's like a body wash. My entire family uses it, and not only actually do we use it on our skin as body wash, but we also use it for our hair. Like I don't have shampoo for my kids. I use Alivia for my kids. And I love Alivia because not only does it smell amazing, but it's 100% natural and organic. It's non-toxic. It's free of all artificial fragrances and dyes. It's environmentally friendly. And it's not a soap. It is a prebiotic body cleanser. So it actually helps support and nourish that skin microbiome. And it works so well, especially if you have sensitive skin. It can help with eczema, pariasis, body acne, things like that. We love the green tea honeysuckle scent. It smells heavenly. It's so amazing. I usually stock up and get like five bottles at a time so that I can get free shipping. And they last a really long time. Like five or six bottles will last me, my whole family, about a year or so. So you can go to alivia.com. That's A-L-E-A-V-I-A.com and use the code TaylorK15 and that will save you 15% off of all of your Alivia orders. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome. Today, my plan is to talk to you about my own personal experience with breastfeeding while pregnant. Um, So breastfeeding my first child while pregnant with my second child, and then my experience with tandem feeding. And this is a topic that I get asked about all the time. And Um, You know, I have to preface it by saying I'm not a lactation consultant. I do have some breastfeeding training. I'm a breastfeeding counselor, um, but I'm not a lactation consultant. And I wasn't at the time um, that I was doing this. And I went into it. I went into tandem feeding and breastfeeding while pregnant, really not knowing anything. And I didn't know anybody in my life personally that had ever done this, that had ever breastfed longer than like a year. So I really went in it not knowing what I was doing. And I didn't really think much of it, to be honest. I didn't really have like a plan. Um, But this is a question that I get asked about 
all the time. And so I just want to share my own personal experience. I'm not going to share like a bunch of facts with you. I'm just going to share my experience. And my experience is not going to be the same as everybody else's experience who has done this, who has fed their babies or fed their toddler while pregnant um, or tandem fed. But I think it's so interesting that there's really just not – it doesn't seem like there's a lot of resources out there for tandem feeding, and so I want this to be a resource. And then I'm also hopefully going to be having a lactation consultant on the podcast in a future episode um, to talk more about more of the facts surrounding breastfeeding while pregnant and and tandem feeding. So – my experience. I got pregnant with my second child when my daughter was about a little over two. I think she was like maybe 26 months old um, and she was still full on nursing. Um, We were nursing. We had actually just started weaning at night, but she was still nursing frequently during the day. And I was still feeding her occasionally at night when I needed to when my husband couldn't support her. Sometimes she would, you know, we were still in the beginning process of the night weaning um, journey. And so sometimes my husband just could not support her or didn't feel um, like he could get through it because he was getting too stressed. And so then sometimes I would nurse her back to sleep. But um, we, she was still nursing pretty frequently during the day. Um, I had no intentions of stop of weaning her, none. Um, I've always really, for the most part, really liked breastfeeding, um, except for when my son was born because he had a really rough couple of fir- first couple of months. But with my daughter, we always had a pretty easy breastfeeding relationship um, in terms of the physical act of breastfeeding. Um, we had some difficulties in the beginning with food intolerances, but they never – she also have um, had undiagnosed and unaddressed oral ties, but her oral ties thankfully never impacted her latch, never impacted her feeding. And so she's always been just – she's always lat- – like she latched from the first, you know – three minutes of being born and just latched ever since and just wouldn't unlatch basically. So I loved it. It was a time that I really felt helped us bond. Um, It was a time, you know, I've always thought of breastfeeding as just this time where I can sit or lay down and just slow down and relax. And so it's always been something that I've enjoyed doing because it gave me the opportunity to slow down and relax with my child who – Um, my first child is very, very bouncing off the walls, always on the go, high activity child. And so that was a really nice part of our relationship was having those moments throughout the day where we could just slow down together and where I knew she would be maybe quiet for three minutes or still for three minutes. Um, and so I've always really enjoyed that. And, you know, there were even times during the day where I would, you know, even at two, when she was two, I would still offer her nurses. I would still offer her milk because I needed that time to slow down. Whereas I know other moms at this, when their child is this age, might be more on, um, more in alignment with not offering at all and just letting their child ask or saying no more often to their child when they're asking for nursing. But for me personally, that just wasn't a priority for me at the time because I loved it and I didn't have a reason to set nursing boundaries or really tell her no because I had no problem with it. So I never had any intention of weaning. Thankfully, um, you know, I know that a lot of women have struggles with if they are breastfeeding their child, their toddler. A lot of women still have um, 
issues with their fertility returning. Um, and so maybe they want to begin trying to conceive, but they're, they haven't had signs of fertility yet. And so that's kind of a separate issue. I didn't have that issue because my menstrual cycle returned when my daughter was seven months old. So, and I was still nursing her on the clock. So I just didn't have an issue with that. Um, with all of that being said, you know, I, I don't know, I was never told that I couldn't breastfeed while pregnant. And now I know because I get all of the messages and the questions about this from some of you guys. Now I know that there are a lot of people out there that will tell mothers who are breastfeeding that once they get pregnant, they have to wean their child. Or if they want to get pregnant, they have to wean their child. And I mean, it's it's not only doctors saying these things, but it's a lot of times it's doctors, it's OBGYNs telling women that they can't be breastfeeding while pregnant. And so I just want to clarify for any of y'all listening that that is overwhelmingly usually not true. Um, and again, this is not medical advice. I'm never giving medical advice. I'm never telling you what to do. There are always going to be exceptions to the rule. But overwhelmingly, it is completely fine for most women who have healthy low-risk pregnancies to continue breastfeeding while they are pregnant. Um, there are other considerations to take into account. So if you're both pregnant and breastfeeding, you have to be even more mindful of your nutrition needs because not only are you growing a baby, but you're also still producing milk for your child. So you likely have to eat even more. Um, but other than that, there's really no reason to stop that you have to stop breastfeeding if you're pregnant. Um, now, like I said, of course, there are exceptions. There are some women that, you know, the most common thing I hear about is women that have um, maybe a history of preterm labor um, because potentially, you know, the idea is that breastfeeding can um, trigger preterm labor. But other than that, you do not have to wean. And again, I'll say this a million times because I will always have somebody, even when I've said it once or twice, I will always have somebody message me or email me and say, but what about these people? It's hard because I want to say, talk to your doctor, talk to your doctor about your medical issues, your medical concerns, and whether they would, um, it would be a concern for continuing to breastfeed while pregnant. But the truth is, is that most doctors have really bad information about breastfeeding. And from what I can understand, from what I can fathom based on what people tell me is that a lot of doctors really think that women should not, pregnant women should not be breastfeeding. And that is just not true. So, um, you know, talk to your doctor if there's somebody that, if it's somebody that you trust and that you know is knowledgeable about breastfeeding, but also talk to your doctor knowing that a lot of doctors are not very educated about breastfeeding and specifically they're not educated about, oops, sorry guys, Specifically, they're not educated about breastfeeding while pregnant. So yes, in summary, it is totally possible for most women to continue breastfeeding while pregnant. Okay, so my experience, um, the early days, like in the first trimester when I was pretty sick, I was very sick with both of my pregnancies. I have been very, very sick the entire first trimester until a little bit into like the, probably week 14 or 15, so almost into kind of the second trimester. And then I feel better, and then I feel great, pretty much great the second trimester typically. 
But the first trimester, like very early on, breastfeeding was fine for me. I don't remember having a lot of issues. Um, Now, I also want to say that my daughter was over two when I was pregnant. So I wasn't like, I wasn't pumping bottles for her. Her primary source of nutrition was solid food. So I was never concerned about how much milk I was producing. I never was measuring that. I wasn't measuring output in any way. So I have no idea whether my milk um, production dropped during pregnancy. Um, I imagine that it probably did, but she continued to nurse throughout my pregnancy. Um, I do know that, I can't remember the percentage, but a lactation consultant at one time told me that maybe the majority, like I think it was a majority percentage of women, it was a good amount of women when they're pregnant, their milk production does drop. Um, and so if you have a baby that whose uh, primary source of nutrition is still breast milk, that would be something that you would have to just pay attention to. So if you became pregnant when your child was, you know, nine or 10 or 11 months old or whatever, and they're still real, they're really their breast milk, breast milk is their primary source of nutrition. You have to watch the diaper outputs. You have to watch how often they're peeing. You have to really pay attention to that because there is the potential that you are now going to not be making enough milk for them. And that maybe you would need to find some sort of milk supplement, milk alternative, um, something like that. And so that's something that I would always recommend just reaching out to a lactation consultant and, um, consulting with them to kind of get an idea of what you should be doing, whether there is a concern, et cetera. For me personally, again, that wasn't a concern because my child was over two at the time and I was not really concerned about how much milk she was getting because she would be fine without the milk. For her, it was about the milk, but it was also very much about comfort and regulation um, and bonding and all of this wonderful stuff. So it didn't matter quite as much that maybe my milk production had dropped because it was the act of nursing that was probably most important to her at that time. So um, where was I? So the first few weeks, I remember it being a nice break because I was very sick and nauseous. And I remember wanting her to nurse. I think that it started to become a little bit uncomfortable for me, but the discomfort of nursing was not quite as severe as the discomfort from being sick and being nauseous. And so I would often ask her if she wanted to nurse because I just wanted to go lay in bed. um, And I would hope that that would buy me a few minutes of relaxation and rest so that I didn't have to get up. I remember... (laughs) being pregnant with a toddler. That's another, that could be a whole nother podcast episode. Um, But being pregnant with a toddler, I just remember in those early weeks, I mean, the first two months, really the first two or three months, um, I remember laying on her bed in her room, like as for as long as I could, just like she would just be reading books and she would bring me books and I would like be laying in bed trying to read her books and literally falling asleep. So I was sick, but I was also exhausted. So I would be literally falling asleep in the middle of the books and she would go, mommy, mommy, wake up, wake up, read to me. And I would just literally be dozing off in the middle of sentences. Um, And I would do that for as long as she would allow me to without getting too upset with me. Um, And then I remember in the afternoon, it was usually two or three hours of screen time because I was just so sick. And we don't do a lot of screen time around the house. 
um, or around our house. But that was a time in those early months of pregnancy that I just, I had to, I had to, because I was so sick and I just could not give her attention and I needed to sleep and I needed to vomit and I needed to just lay down and I was starving, but I was like too sick to eat and all of that, you know, wonderful stuff. So no shame. She definitely watched TV for at least two hours every day for a solid two months of my pregnancy. Um, but you know, that, that stage passed and then, and then it was better. So you do what you can in those moments to survive. Um, but I do remember nursing, utilizing nursing a lot as much as I could in those early, in those early weeks when I was really sick. And then I think somewhere towards the end of the first trimester, and maybe maybe the entire second trimester or most of the second trimester i it just nursing became excruciatingly painful um because i had nipple sensitivity so it's very common when you're pregnant to have nipple sensitivity and for me that just presented as excruciating pain anytime that she latched and nursed Um, and so it was very difficult because I wanted to continue my breastfeeding relationship with her. I had, again, I had no plans, no desire to breastfeed. Like I actually, like I wanted her to continue to breastfeed because I knew that that was what she wanted. And, um, you know, my child wasn't a child that was going to stop breastfeeding on her own. Um, I just, I knew that that wasn't going to happen. I know I talk to women sometimes who, their child stops breastfeeding or they wean on their own when when mom gets pregnant and that's totally great if that's if that works for that family and if that's what the child does but i knew going into it that that's not my daughter um my daughter would never stop breastfeeding on her own i knew that i'm sure eventually she would have if i had given her the opportunity um but she's four now she's almost four and a half and if i hadn't weaned her she would still be breastfeeding i know that for sure so and that's fine i just needed a change So it became excruciating because of the nipple sensitivity. So, you know, I had to begin setting boundaries with her um, and I would tell her later or, you know, not right now, but we'll nurse later or no, but you can have a snack instead or a drink of water instead or offering her snuggles instead. I think that most of the time what I did in those moments, because I was also pregnant and tired and I didn't want to deal with a ton of emotion, What I did most often that I found worked well was I began to implement more time-based boundaries. And what I did was I would say, okay, you can nurse, but you're only going to nurse for 10 seconds. And then I would count to 10 as she was nursing. I would count out loud and then she would be all done. So I would say, you know, I would count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, slower than that. But sometimes actually, sometimes actually it was that fast because I had to be done with it. And sometimes it was that fast. Um, And then I would say, okay, all done. And the first couple of times, I think she probably cried a little bit and fussed a little bit, but then that boundary really started to click for her and it kind of became our norm. Um, And so it just worked. It just worked really well. Like I would count to 10, I would say all done, and then she would be off and she would be off playing. And that little bit of connection and nursing, it was excruciatingly painful for me, but I knew I could power through 10 seconds and it gave her what she needed too. So that was a really nice compromise for us. Um, And again, at that time, you know, 
with 10 seconds, she probably wasn't even getting any milk. So it was truly about the connection for her um, and the physical, the physical act of the sucking that is regulatory for her. Um, and it was just what she needed at that time. So that's just my own personal experience with her. That might not work for you if you have a younger baby who really has true nutritive needs surrounding nursing. Um, but that wasn't my daughter. So the 10 second thing is kind of what we stuck to. Um, and I just toughed it out. You know, I honestly, I did not find anything that helped with the nipple sensitivity. Um, it was just something, you know, cause it wasn't that like my nipples were raw or, you know, there was something wrong with her latch. Her latch was fine. It was just that my nipples were sensitive when I was pregnant. Um, and I had, and I also had a little bit of an aversion in the second trimester. So I just didn't want her to nurse and I just like needed her off me. Um, but yeah, so there was really nothing to help with that, that I found. I just powered through it. And then it did improve in the third trimester. So the nipple sensitivity drastically decreased as far as I remember in the third trimester. I'm not sure when that happened exactly, but it was probably for most of the third trimester. It just wasn't nearly as bad. And so we kind of just continued the way we were going. Um, at that time, she was pretty much fully night weaned by that time. So we just nursed during the day. I think um, by that point, I had also been, began started, um, starting to set some more nursing boundaries during the day, just kind of in preparation, knowing that I would be nursing a newborn and I might not want to be nursing her all the time. And so I think by that point, she was maybe nursing like morning, nap time, and nighttime, and probably not too much in between unless she really wanted it and she asked. But I think by that time, I wasn't offering too much anymore. Um because I think I had stopped offering her, like offering milk when the nipple sensitivity became really, really bad. So by that time, she wasn't nursing quite as frequently. Um, okay. So third trimester wasn't nearly as bad. We kind of had a rhythm. So baby's born. My second my second child, who's a, my, my boy, was born. Um, now, this is where my story gets a little tricky because I had these beautiful um, – visions in my head of tandem nursing and how you know having both of my babies nursing side by side at the same time bonding together and we got to do that for a couple of days um with support from my husband who kind of helped um because my my newborn was latching okay However, my newborn had oral ties and we made the decision to get them released and, and we got them released at six weeks. After that, things got worse for before they got better. So he began having nursing aversions, um, which I think he already actually had a little bit of that before the release, but my memory is quite foggy from that time because it was a little traumatic for me. Um, and so he was, he had nursing aversions. He would he just would scream and cry, you know, before nursing. And we really struggled or I really struggled to get him to nurse for probably two months at least. It was really rough. And, you know, there were times where I could only get him to nurse in the sling. Like I had to put him in the sling and kind of bounce him and then get him to latch. Or um, like I had to give him – like if I knew he wanted to nurse. He was hungry. But he wouldn't nurse. He wouldn't nurse because he had such horrible aversion. And so I had to calm him down first with the pacifier for a minute, um, which was the only time I used the pacifier with him 
was to get him to calm down and think I'm thankful that he actually took to the pacifier for like a couple of minutes at a time because it would help him calm down and then he would latch onto the breast and nurse. So those visions of the beautiful side-by-side tandem nursing, um, they really didn't happen much in those early months because of the difficulty that I had with um, my son's nursing challenges. I just couldn't nurse the two of them together. And he was, it was just a lot of work to get him to nurse. And he was really nursing around the clock. And so at that point, like my daughter couldn't nurse with him. Um, and so at that point, I was just so touched out from he was a very high needs contact baby with all of these feeding issues. And so I was nursing all the time, but I was also just being touched constantly. And I just, I developed this huge nursing aversion to nursing my daughter. And what that felt like for me was basically like I just wanted to throw her off me. Um, When she nursed, it was like my skin was crawling it was everything I could do to not just push her off me. Um, and now I know just from talking to other women that have done tandem nursing that that is a very common experience, not only for tandem nursing, but for nursing toddlers in general. And the reason that I believe, one of the reasons I believe I experienced that with her was because, um, you know, so the age difference there was three years. So at this time she was three years old. So she's an older toddler um, nursing. She has a big mouth. She has a strong suck. And when you compare nursing a newborn with their tiny little mouths and their tiny little suckle and their sweet little hands to nursing a toddler um, with, with a much stronger suck and a big mouth, um, it's just a, it's a, it's such a different experience. And it just feels really bad. It just, there's something about it that um, I I can't, I can't explain it. Um, I can't explain it, but it's the difference in the sensations that created this nursing aversion for me, in addition to already feeling touched out and dealing with such horrible nursing challenges with my son and being sleep deprived. Um, So that was really hard because I had the nipple sensitivity during pregnancy and I maybe had a little bit of nursing aversion, but I think that was mainly just because it was painful at that time. Um, But this was different because this was literally me like having to do everything in my power to not shove my daughter off of me when she was nursing. And that is not a fun thing to experience. It doesn't feel good to experience that as a mother who has thus far really treasured her breastfeeding relationship with her child. It doesn't feel good to feel that way about your child. Um, And so that was a really challenging thing because it brought about a lot of feelings of guilt. Like, why do I feel this way about my daughter? Why do I want to push my daughter? Why do I I literally want to throw my daughter against the room right now as she's nursing? Um, Not that I did, but I just wanted her off me, like get away. And if you can just imagine that, it just – it feels horrible because you can't control it. Um, Like why – it's like why do I have these awful thoughts about my child right now? Not not that my thoughts were awful about her, but that about I don't want her to nurse. And, you know, it brings up these fears of is this the end of the road for us? Can I manage this anymore? Am I going to have to wean her early because I wasn't expecting this and now that I'm experiencing it – I'm realizing how difficult it is and how bad it feels and do I need to end this? And then so there's this like 
battle, like internal battle of, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I'm going crazy and I'm going to shove her off of me with this other side of you that wants to just continue the relationship and you just want it to, you want it to continue and you want her to nurse as long as she wants. Um, but there's balance there. And so it's like, where's the balance? And so it's grieving. Like I was grieving during those early months of my son's life because I realized that our beautiful nursing relationship wasn't ever going to be the same. Um, because it didn't go back. It didn't ever change. It didn't ever go back to pre-aversion, pre-nursing aversion. Um, it just stayed the same. And so there's this grieving process because I wasn't expecting that and I wasn't prepared for that. Um, and so that's, I think, the number one thing that I want women to know is that that could happen. And, you know, there's no shame in that. It's not something that you can control. But I wish that I had known that going in because I think I would have been able to mentally prepare a little bit better. But instead, it really blindsided me. And at the same time, I was dealing with so many issues with my son's um, nursing, breastfeeding issues. And it was just a really hard time because me and my daughter had always had this lovely breastfeeding relationship. And now it was over like that, like like overnight, it was just over. Um, the, the beautifulness of it, that is, was over. I didn't enjoy it anymore. That's what was hard. I had always enjoyed nursing her. It was a, it was a great time for bonding. And now it was just like something that I couldn't wait for it to end every time it happened. And so what it looked like in those days was really my focus was on my son and his breastfeeding needs and his struggles. And I think I was nursing my daughter at that time only, I think only in the evening. I think I had stopped nursing. I might've still been nursing her in the morning for a while. Um, and then we soon got to just before bedtime and then her dad would put her to sleep. Like she wasn't nursing to sleep. I would just give her, it was again, the 10 second thing. Every time I nursed her, I couldn't do it longer than 10 seconds. So I would nurse her for 10 seconds and then her dad would put her to sleep. And then I would go nurse my baby, my newborn to sleep. So I think that's what, it was kind of a more gradual transition, but it just, it was slowly that I had to start setting more boundaries and telling her no more often. And then, you know, sometimes like I could see that she was feeling really sad. She would see her brother nursing and she was feeling kind of sad and missing nursing. And so I would let her nurse like if she asked for it during the day. But again, it was just the 10 second thing because that was about as much as I could handle. Um, even that was difficult for me to handle. So we got to the point, and I don't remember exactly when this was, but we got to the point where I was only nursing her before bed pretty much for 10 seconds. And that was it. That was the extent of our nursing relationship. And even then, it was horrible for me. I mean, I could deal with 10 seconds, but it literally just made my skin crawl. And I almost was wincing the entire time. I was just like, it was so, it wasn't painful. I, I feel like it's so hard to describe what a true like nursing aversion to, especially to a toddler feels like until you've experienced it. Um, because it's not painful, um, or at least it wasn't painful for me, except for that time during my pregnancy. It wasn't painful. It was more of just like agonizing, like just skin crawling. I have this urge to shove you off of me. That's the best way that I can explain it. Um, 
And eventually I had to stop that too. And so we continued until we continued with the pre-bedtime 10-second nursing session until she was, I mean, she was almost four. It was a few months before she turned four. So it was maybe a few months before my son turned one. So I tandem nursed for almost a year, Um, not quite a year, but that tandem nursing was only for the most part once or twice a day for 10 seconds at a time. So, and then I stopped, you know, I, we kind of gradually stopped. We kind of slowly stopped. I, pre- I prepared her, I communicated it with her. Um, I told her, you know, that I'm kind of getting ready to not nurse her anymore and it's getting a little uncomfortable for me. Um, but we can have snuggles and hugs instead. And we kind of, I kind of did the thing where I didn't offer her n- milk before bed, but if she asked for it, I would give it to her. And usually she would ask for it, but then she, like, there were some nights where she didn't ask for it. And so then she went to bed without nursing and we kind of just took it really slowly. I didn't push her, but then there were a couple nights where I just really, I didn't want to do it. I just couldn't do it. And I told her, I told her that I didn't really want to, that I'd rather not. Um, I don't remember exactly how I said that. Um, And there were some tears and we supported those tears and it was really sad. And I had tears too because it's it's sad. It's hard to end a breastfeeding relationship, um, especially when you've it's been so long and you didn't really ever have plans to end that relationship on your own. Um, and so it's a grieving process for, for everybody. Um, I still grieve it sometimes because we really connected that way and it felt like just a loss to our relationship. But I also didn't have full control over that because I also had to take care of myself and my mental health. And even that, those 10 seconds of nursing was so agonizing to me um, that I also felt like that was ruining our relationship a little bit too. Because I didn't want her to see, I didn't want her to see that I hated nursing her so much because I felt like, you know, what message am I sending to her that I like can't control my facial expressions right now or that I'm like, almost yelling at her to get off me or pushing her off me, um, you know, that is not great for our relationship either. So I kind of had to do like a risk benefit analysis with this. And I felt like the best thing I could do at that time for our relationship as a whole was to end the nursing part of it because it was a part of our relationship that I literally hated at that time, which still makes me sad to say, because I, like I said, I always loved it before, before this. So so we ended, it ended up being that I, you know, after she had had a few nights of not not nursing to sleep and she was doing, or not, she never nursed to sleep, you know, since she was like a baby, but she didn't have that nursing piece before bed and she was doing fine with it. Um, then I just started saying, you know, no more often and setting the boundary. And so she's been a fully weaned. She's been fully weaned since, right, since a couple of months before she turned four Um, And she's now four and a half. And, you know, every once in a while, she will still ask, like, ask for milk. Like, she'll still just randomly, like, she'll see brother nursing and she'll just say something like, mommy, I love milk. Milk is so good. Your your nurses are so good or something like that. Um, And so it's kind of still bittersweet. Like, it's still kind of sad when she says something like that. And we talk about it a little bit. And, um, but she hasn't nursed since then. So she hasn't nursed in probably at least six or seven months. Um, and we're, and we're fine. We're all fine. She's doing fine. Um, still going strong with my son who is 18 months old at this time that I'm recording in November. Um, 
so yeah, that is that is kind of my tandem feeding journey. And I, you know, every every journey, every tandem feeding journey is going to look so different. But I just wanted to share mine in case it's helpful to anybody because I had nothing. I had nothing to go off of. I had no ideas or examples of what this could look like before doing it, before becoming pregnant and realizing, hey, I'm still going to be nursing my child. We'll just kind of see how this goes. And so I just want to kind of um, open that 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 conversation up to be had with women that have experienced this and, um, you know, starting with sharing my own personal experience with it. Because it looked nothing like I thought it would look like and it was really hard and it was really lovely and it was really beautiful and I don't regret anything. Um, I am so glad that I got to nurse my first child until she was almost four. And it's so interesting because like I know what an accomplishment that is. I know how – and I don't want to say like how long it is because it's really not that long. Like it's normal. But I know that compared to – most people, most children, I know how long that is. And yet I still had to grieve over it because we lost something that was so special to us. Um, and it's it's really sad. So, um, but I think, you know, the most important thing to remember is that it's okay for you to set nursing boundaries if you need to, for whatever reason. If you're in pain, if you're if you have a nursing aversion, if you have a really difficult time with your newborn nursing and you just need some me time, it's okay to set boundaries. It never has to be all or nothing. So a lot of parents, moms, I think go into this thinking, well, you know, well, my child is still nursing. How I how am I going to nurse a newborn and a toddler around the clock? Well, you don't have to. You don't have to. The options aren't that you either nurse your toddler on demand all of the time whenever they want to or you wean them totally. You can totally have a middle range. You can totally there's there's definitely an in between and there's a huge amount of space in that in between. You can set whatever boundaries you need to set. You can set limits. You can say, I'm going to nurse you two times a day, three times a day, four times a day. I'm going to nurse you only during the day and not at night. I'm going to nurse you only at night and not during the day. Um, I mean, that wouldn't work for most most moms who are also nursing their newborns at night. But my point is, is that you really get to pick what boundaries you want to set. It is okay for you to set nursing boundaries. You do not have to stop nursing if you don't want to when you're pregnant and when you have a new baby. Um, and so I just, I think that's something that isn't understood and isn't talked about quite enough is that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can still keep that relationship as long as you want to, as long as it's comfortable for you and your child, but it doesn't have to be like full throttle nursing every hour, every two hours, every three hours. You don't have to do that. Like for a good year, maybe more the last year of my breastfeeding relationship with my daughter, our nursing, our breastfeeding relationship mostly consisted of a couple of 10-minute sessions during the day. But we were still nursing and we were still connecting. And that's what that looked like. And that so that's really not very long, right? Like that's 20, 30 seconds a day of nursing at the most. Um, but she still wasn't weaned. We were still nursing. We still had a relationship. And that was what was manageable to me at that time. So um, anyways, that's that's really it. That's as much as I can think of to share with you about that journey. Setting boundaries is important. Um, taking care of your own health is important too. And you can do that by setting boundaries as you need to. Um, 
I don't want to get too much into like the weaning process here because that's kind of beyond the scope of what I wanted to share here. But I do hope that helps some of you that might be in the same situation or might be preparing to be in this situation that you're going to be pregnant and nursing a toddler or a baby um, and then potentially tandem nursing. And I, you know, I just also have to say my experience was kind of tough, but I also know that I've heard from a lot of mothers that have the most beautiful tandem nursing experiences if they if they don't have, you know, nursing challenges with either of their children and they do that lovely, you know, side-by-side nursing and their children bond together through nursing and it's just like, you know, such a beautiful experience. So I also don't want my experience to turn you off of this. I don't want my experience to be scary to you and make you not want to do tandem nursing. My experience was harder than I think a lot of people's tandem journey, tandem nursing experiences are. Um, And I would never have changed it. I would never go back if I could do it over. I would never go back and wean my daughter before I got pregnant or during pregnancy. Um, I loved it. I loved being able to offer her this until she was almost four years old. Um, But our experience was just, it was our experience and it was um, tough. It was tough and it was lovely. And I'm glad, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we had it. So anyways, that is all. I hope that was helpful to you guys. And hopefully soon I'm also going to get a lactation consultant on to talk a little bit more about tandem nursing um, and maybe some more like factual pieces, things you should know, tips, etc. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. I want to share with you guys one of my all-time favorite companies. I'm passionate about this company. I've been using them for over three years and they make some of the cleanest and most affordable personal care products for the entire family, personal care and wellness products. So they have herbal remedies and tinctures. They have personal care products. My husband and myself use their deodorant on a daily basis. And most recently they've launched a home care cleaning line, which we now have transitioned pretty much all of our cleaning products over to their their cleaning products. So we use their cleaning spray and their dishwasher detergent and their laundry detergent and their dishwashing soap. And we have been so impressed with not only the quality and simplicity of their products, but also the affordability and small company, family owned company experience that we get when we shop with them. So the company is Earthly and they are just phenomenal. You can go shop at earthly.com and earthly is spelled E-A-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com slash R-E-F slash T Kulik. Alternatively, you can thank me for your checkout. Um, Thank you. Thank me for your order in the checkout section. And you can use the code Taylor10 to save 10% off your first order. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.